Chris here. I'm the host of the hour. First to follow the fox named Neve with books laid before the bear named M to read and retire around the long fire. It's the last podcast of the year. Yeah. I mean, the last one of these. I, I, will, I will hopefully be releasing another podcast for the year ends. Uh, but, you know. Yeah. Last for us. Um, I was looking at, like, the future chapter stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I figured... I mean, it would be like we just do one every January, uh, but if mm. we did like the February 7th off, we could have like two weeks to read all the back matter because there is quite a bit of back matter. So, OK, <clears throat> but, you know, tentative plan, that'd be five weeks in a row and then we take a break. OK, sure. So. All makes sense to me. Yeah. Um. With every single podcast that I record, I'm like, I really hope that I don't just lose my voice mid-podcast right now. I mean, if you did, we'd wrap it up and it'd be yeah. fine. Wouldn't be the end of the world. It'd be really funny. <laughs> Bad for you. Yeah, I've, the- I've never really lost my voice. Uh, I don't like, I've never had it happen to me. Um, It only like really happened to me once, like in high school. Okay. Um, but... Like, we postponed a Ghost Divers recording to this Friday because I, I'm i positive we'd, if we recorded it last Saturday, I would have just blown out my voice. Hmm. Um, but hopefully I'll be able – I'll be fine. I'll make it through this. I have to do, like, a stairwells tomorrow um, and also the, the holiday spe- – the Star Wars holiday special. Oh, yeah. Have you watched yeah. Corel or are you going to watch that tomorrow? We're going to watch that tomorrow. Okay. So. Have you seen it? Uh, I have. Okay. Autumn is not, but I've seen it. Okay. Uh, feel like uh, the way Autumn was talking about it, Autumn might be surprised by the kind of movie that is when you watch it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it's a it's a really cool but weird movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it, Autumn's expecting something a little more lurid in like a... I mean, it is. Don't get me wrong. Corral's a lurid movie, but like in like such a weird boil, like like slow boil, tensed up sort of way. Yeah. And also in such a like, I don't think it actually is a musical, but it just has the energies like of theater of like musical theater. Also, it looks like a Technicolor movie, like, like you know, like a stage production in Technicolor. It has just an unreality to it. Yeah, is, there's uh, like good. one point in particular where they're like looking at the sun setting on the sea or something. And yes. it's like just very clearly like a, a, you know, it's like a prop that's like just yeah. off the the like boardwalk that they're on or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Uh, I, I love it. But yeah, there was a there was a brief period where we had killed Trash Rick Ratio, the first version of our podcast, our movie podcast. Um, and me and Kyle Turner, who was the fourth member of that Trash Rick Ratio quartet it was jackson destiny kyle and myself um did like a short run where we were going to do it more readily but scheduling got weird because kyle's like a real movie critic and not really in like our circle in the same way and just never worked out um but we did like a short run where kyle just kept picking like queer classics um and that was one we watched for that one and it was good that's uh, probably my favorite movie of that set we watched um yeah it's very good yeah so I'm looking forward to it. Um, do we want to do the saga? Um, yeah, we can do the saga first. I didn't know if you want to do it immediately 
Just... No, no, no. Let's. Uh, we we did okay. uh, chapters twenty two <laughs> through twenty four, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Nothing happens this week. Yeah, we we finally had kind of a dud week. Yeah, like she gets there. Everyone's happy for what seven years? It's a it's a while. Yeah. Um, or so and there's then, like yeah, the first one's like wedding festivities, which is mostly yes. them like they go to Tone, Vienna, Old Hainburg, Weiselberg. Uh, they ride on the Danube on like so many ships that it looks like it's just land. Um, and then they finally finally reach uh, Etzelberg, which is just like Etzel's castle, which is also probably Graham, the city of Graham. Um, but yeah. Um, and it's basically like nothing happens other than Rudiger's making sure Etzel doesn't fuck Creamheld until the wedding. Mm. Um, and Creamheld is just like quietly so nobody sees crying, thinking about Siegfried. Yeah. Yeah. But then 13 years later, Creamheld's right, like, things are going well, but I bet I could just fuck up Hagen now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She's bided her time. They have kids, a kid at least. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, and now she's like, you know, it's nice being queen for a while, but what if we blow up everything? Yeah. It seems like everything's going great for her right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then she's just like, what if we just invite? Because like none of my relations have come to visit. It's been 13 years. You know, my brother hasn't come seen the place. Let's like invite them. We'll have like a festival. It'll be nice. Uh, and that's like, oh, yeah, that's good. Like, you know, I'm a little bit offended that they haven't come yet. Like, so I'm going to send some messengers. And then in secret, Creamhild goes and meets with the messengers and is like, hey, make sure that Hagen comes. Be like, they won't be able to find the way without you, you know. Um, and then, yeah, the messengers show up. Um, yeah. And basically... This this was like maybe the best of the chapters. There's not that much yes. still, but um, yeah, Gunther is like, oh yeah, we should visit Creamhill. It has been a while, uh, and Hagen's like, do you have a fucking death wish, my lord? <laughs> um, and then Garnot and Gieselhair, uh, Creamhill's brothers, are basically like, she's just mad at you. Like, why should we not go when she's just pissed off at you? Like, it seems like we could still go check out the place, have a fun party. Like, and also, why are you being such a fucking whiny baby about it? Why are you being a pussy? Like, you know, if you had some courage, I mean, you'd show up. But the thing is, he really does come across like he's just being a hater beyond all reason. Like every time she's done anything, he's just shat all over it. Yeah. And the the one the one problem here is he's absolutely right. This is like the most doomed thing in the world. Yeah. But uh, if it wasn't for that, he would just be the most petty. Like I mean, he is a petty evil man. But like he just seems like he is totally out of pocket on this one. Yeah. Um. But Rumel does agree with Hawkins, being like Hawkins kind of right. Like we we should just stay here. Like keep partying and having sex with hot chicks my lord Gunther (laughs) 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 well yeah it's such a funny aside Um, but yeah Garnot and Gieselhair are such uh, so dead set on going um, that Hagen's like okay okay if you're going we're gonna bring a bunch of soldiers like a bunch of shit to protect ourselves Uh, Volker the minstrel who came up earlier but he gets reintroduced uh, he's coming in we're gonna go on this journey um, and like, we're going to have a huge force and we're going to delay the messengers. And then like, as soon as they leave, like they will be out the door and we will immediately be behind them. Yeah. Um, so, so they, they can't Hill like, has, like no yeah, opportunity to prepare. So, 
Yeah. Which I think is like a real misread of like what kind of vengeance she would like to get. Because I don't think I don't think anywhere in her machinations is I'm going to use my army to smash my brother's lands and armies. She really just wants to kill Hagen. Yeah. And in some ways, like showing up with a giant army is just going to like make things worse with like Etzel, you know, but we'll see how it goes. There is a bit here where Etzel's like, ah, I'm very happy, ready to meet your family. And just like, he did not know the woe that was about to fall upon everybody involved. (laughs) Yes. Um, All the like happy soldiers who are going to go to this festival and being like, little did they know how much like sorrow would be brought upon them. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Um, Right. I'm wondering if Folker the Minstrel is going to be the guy who plays the harp with his toes to oh, like yeah, sure. not get eaten by the snake or whatever. We'll see. But yeah, I feel like we are building for stuff popping off, but uh, this was kind of a, uh, you know, table setting trio yeah. of chapters. Yeah. Yeah. When just last week I said, oh, it, it always gives us good one good one in the middle of those. Um I messed it up. I'm the one who uh, the thing cursed is, us. The next chapter is just how the Nibelungs journeyed to Hungary. So it's still yeah. possible that that's going to be a boring chapter. And then we're going to have yes. like some people dying as soon as they get there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's it. Are we you said we're doing next week? Um, well, in two weeks, 25 to 27, right? Oh, OK, we're not recording next week. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. I don't even think I will be um, in in Chicago. Okay. And I'm, and I'm not recording from, like, an in-law's closet or something, so. Uh, fair enough. Uh, that's it for the saga. Yeah. If you're here for only the saga, one, what the fuck's wrong with you? Uh, and two, uh, goodbye. Also, I just have to say, although this this was the most mid of the readings we've had for Nibelung and Lead, still way more entertaining than like most of Hamescrangler. Well, yeah, <laughs> even even all of their travels, like you know, it, it was evocative. It flowed. It was relatively short. The thing yeah. with this is, like, I read this all in like twenty minutes. Um, the fucking saga is uh, harrying to and fro for ages. Yeah, I don't want to hear anybody harry ever again. <laughs> um fucking norwegian kings yeah uh how's it going Um, i'm being sick yeah because we're both sick it's purely just like the bronchitis cough is just here for a while you know yeah um like otherwise i've been fine but i just still occasionally will like hack up a bunch of mucus and it's not fun Hmm. um and my my voice just feels always like a little fucked up Mm-hmm. So. Um. Yeah. It's weird because, like, at once I feel busy because, like, we've been making cookies because we do a bunch of cookies for, for like, Yule Christmas stuff. Hell yeah. Um. Probably soon we will, we will send you the cookie box. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for the cookie yeah. box. Um. And, like... I have, like, presents that I still need to wrap to, like, prepare for, you know, uh, 
all of that. Um, and I've just been like just sick enough that I'm also like want to go to bed a little bit earlier, even if sometimes that doesn't happen. But it's like I, I'm not doing as much in the evenings as I want to be doing because I, I feel a little low energy. Um, but then also at work, I literally I have nothing to do at work. It's bizarre. Like mm. I there's literally I, I am like making up work to do. That's like stuff that we're not going to get to until April anyway. So I like can't get too deep into it anyways. So um, and the one day that I worked from home. Or, well, so one day I, I did, like, all of the Nana reading in the afternoon because I was just done and I didn't have any work. Um, and then this week, the day that I worked from home, I was, like, doing laundry and, like, checking and making sure there weren't, like, messages or emails that I need to respond to. Because, like, occasionally, like, one thing will trickle in and it takes me, like, ten minutes to do it. It's, like, that kind of work right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that one day that I worked from home was kind of nice, but... Uh, the other two days I've been in office and so I'm just like sitting at my desk listening to podcasts, uh, trying to like look busy. Um, and I've just been bored out of my mind and then I like get home and I'm like, I have all this stuff that I have to do. So, um, yeah, it's been like a weird mix for me, but, um, the one plus of my job, uh, which sometimes can be very boring right now, it's a little up and down is, uh, when there's no work, uh, they don't care if I'm just like reading a book because yeah. there's no work. Everyone knows there's no work. It's not like, uh, you know, the job is to be on top of the work. And if you're on top of the work, you can kind of chill, um, which I do yeah. appreciate. It's also like, because I'm just like on such a small team doing like this product development work stuff that it's like uh-huh. my team doesn't have work, but like literally the person sitting like in the cubicle next to me has a bunch of work because they're just working on a different product development project, but they're not having me jump in because I'm going to go do a different project like next beginning of next year. So, uh, there's this extra, like, I don't, one, I think that there'd just be like a certain weirdness if people just saw me like sitting there reading because it's just not the company culture anyway. Um, and then it's also like it's like specifically me and the one other person on my team that has no work. Even our boss is swamped because like she has to do all the review stuff where occasionally she'll message me and then I have to like do something for 10 minutes. It's yeah. Um, I mean, I I. I guess I prefer it to like, here's a bunch of stuff that you have to do right before the end of the year. And like, you know, you should stay extra or whatever. Like I've had jobs where I'm just asked to work a lot. Um, and I prefer it to that, but it's also, it is still just like mind numbingly boring to sit at a desk, to drive in an hour and like drive out an hour. Um, just to sit at a desk and like listen to podcasts and be like, I could be doing some more laundry or like wrapping presents right now. Yeah. So, or even just reading a book, but yeah. Um, so I do, we've been watching like a lot of Christmas movies, but like with our kid. Um, Mm. so no, yeah. I've been I've been using Letterbox more because I'm watching movies and I just see you rating endless amounts of mid holiday fare. Yeah. Yeah. This is what we're at right now. I mean, I also watched one evening Tokyo Godfathers. So um, that one's not mid, but. Yeah, but like. I mean, look, like, I don't think the Grinch is mid. Like, you know, it's just like the movies. Yeah. I just um, I've never been the person who, like if I want when I feel Christmassy, I want to watch like one movie that season. And then that's I'm probably like full up. Um, 
And you've watched like 10 of them. And I'm like, I'd be so sick of Christmas. Um, I listen to like a lot of Christmas music. I do um, do that. Yeah. A little Christmas music. And, and I, I will like, I like watching Tokyo Godfathers every year. There's like a couple other Christmas movies that like I might watch. Part of it is that like, there are some Christmas movies that are good, but th- a lot of them are not that great of a movie, you know? Yeah. Why are you watching the Polar Express? These are the questions I ask. Because we're watching movies with my kid and we read the Polar Express book. And so then my kid's like, let's watch the Polar Express, basically. You could. How did you? Why did you tell them there was a movie in the first place? <laughs> Shit just comes up. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was also like, I remember this being kind of bad, but it's been a while since I've watched it. So I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, and I was like, this is really bad. Yeah, this one's bad. really bad. <laughs> pretty bad um home alone movies also bad but in like a slightly more just like charmingly midway i have um, a lot of unrevisited unvis- nostalgia for home alone but i would not i would not assume they would hold up if i rewatched them yeah they don't and also the part where they're doing the fun antics which is the thing that you just remember from when you were a kid um is such a small percentage of the actual movie so here's the weird thing about um home alone is the thing that i remember is like the weird sad part <laughs> yeah um that like that as a movie that i saw a bunch of the kid that's the, the, the part that sticks with me the most um and then home alone 2 is like a movie i barely remember but i remember feeling like this is the scariest thing that could happen to a child like being left home alone is scary but yeah. being like in a city and not knowing what to do i was like this is not fun this is like this caused me anxiety as a as a child <laughs> home alone 2 is weird because home alone 1 so much of it is like in this, like, childlike way, he believes that because he wished that he didn't have a family and he, like, just yes. believes that he, like, got the wish and now he's, like, yeah. trying to deal with it and he's, like, trying to figure out how to, like, order pizza and stuff. And, like, a lot mm. of it, like, ends up being fun and playful, but there is this just, like, oh, like, I guess I'm on my own and I'm just, like, trying to figure out what to do. Um, yeah. And the the tone of Home Alone 2 is, like... There's the whole mix up where he ends up in New York and then it's just immediately like, I've got a credit card and I'm going to like have fun and and like be a, a, a full like instant trickster mode, um, which is wild. You um, should um, next Christmas, you should see if your kid's old enough for gremlins. Um, I don't know their disposition towards things that might be a little scary, yeah, but the, gremlins is good. I feel like there's some stuff where they would like Gremlins, but also I do think Gremlins has a thing that's specifically about how Santa isn't real. So I'm not ready to I'm not oh, ready to pull yeah, that one enough. yet. <laughs> just watch Gremlins two. It's more for kids anyway. Yeah, that's I just when I think of Home Alone two, I think of Gremlins two, which is just a superior movie in every way. Yeah, I'm trying to um, remember the Gremlins movie that has the the story about that's one. Like, yeah, the because the dad, dad died as Santa yeah. <laughs> he broke his neck in the chimney. Yeah, <laughs> and so find out like both that. Uh, her dad died and that Santa wasn't real at yeah, the same fair time. Enough. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. You're, um, yeah. I, I feel like I was like, <laughs> I was like last in out of the pool in terms of believing in Santa. I was like nine or something. I was, I was holding on. Cause like my friends oh, like, yeah. no, it's not real. And I'm like, no, it's definitely real. Um, I was the youngest of five. So I, I got that spoiled for me early on, uh, yeah. specifically by like my brothers taking me to where my parents had hid all of my toys and just being like, look, Santa's not real. And here's everything you're going to get. Um, <laughs> Man. <laughs> uh, brothers are cruel. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd never, I, I'd never do that to my brother when we were growing up. I never figured out where my parents were hiding. Yeah, that's not true. I did kind of find out eventually, but like, not really. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's all right. 
Um, um, I do feel like there was an extra cruel streak in my family's siblings. Um, mm. So it was five. I assume you were all like each one was close to the other one, right? Because there's five. So uh, the first two is two years apart, and then everybody oh. else is four years apart. Okay, yeah, me and my brother are five years apart, and we just like basically lived in different orbits most of our lives, like in our childhoods. Yeah. Just not not the same people at all. Um, It was also a thing of, like, my two oldest brothers were, like, 12 and 14 years older than me, mm-hmm. so they're not oh, picking geez. on me, but the other yeah, two yeah. will pick on me, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, but, yeah. Um... I did show some of Tokyo Godfathers to my kids. I was like, mm. like, I also just like looked up my parent. I've seen it a number of times where I'm like, I don't think there's anything too worrying, but I like looked up the, like the IMDB thing. Um, and then yeah. it's like nudity and sexuality. And that's like, there's breastfeeding. And I'm like, okay, you know, my child was doing that like three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> why is this a thing people are worried about? Um, so, and they were like, I've enjoying it. it. I think they just, there's too much going on for them to like really follow the plot in the way that like a simpler yeah. movie is like easy to hold on to. So That's there's fair. also stuff of just like me explaining homelessness is like a thing that like they don't fully, you know, they've like it's maybe come up before, but it's not like a thing that they like really think of and hold in their head. So yeah, yeah. Um, whereas homelessness in in Home Alone two is generally scary, except there's that one pigeon lady. Um, and then Kevin teaches her that she needs to stop pushing people away and that will fix her problems. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Fucking stupid. Um, I was like, the lesson of this about homelessness feels a lot worse than when we were watching Tokyo Godfathers, but I understand that it's really funny when he plays the the pranks, so (laughs) sure, we will watch this one a second time. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. My enduring memory of that movie is that, like, a good third of it is a commercial for F.A.O. Swartz. Is that true? Um, I, so I know that like, so there's a bunch for like the, the, uh, the like tape recorder that he has. Was that the FAO shorts? Well, it's like they go, it, oh, you know, no, I, I am conflating two things. I think cause they, there's like the toy chest place in there and in yes. my head, in my head, that's an FAO shorts. No, it's like a. There's some guy who he also encounters the guy. It is an FAO Schwartz in real life. They, they, they shot it in FAO okay. Schwartz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the part that it's a bigger ad for is the plaza. Okay. Um, there's a part where it shows how great the plaza is for like uh, three straight minutes, and then uh, Kevin plays the recording that he did from the TV of the toll number to call to to book at the plaza. Uh, okay. Tony, Tony Soprano went to the plaza when him and Carmela were having marriage troubles and it seemed like the most depressing hotel I'd ever seen. It's like really nice, but in like a way where you're like, what has led you to be so sad in such an ornate building that you have to go to the fucking plaza? Yeah. Um, a good part of that movie is also like Tim Curry being the concierge at the plaza and like trying to figure out what's going on with this kid where he keeps not seeing the kid's dad. Yeah, it's just like Dunson checks yeah. in. Um, <laughs> Multiple movies about kids terrorizing hotel concierges yeah. <laughs> in the 90s. People had so much money. You fucking take kids to hotels all the time. Um, it's weird because, like, 
Home Alone is shorter than Home Alone 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in general, like, the, the like, general arc of it I enjoy more, but there is just some stuff that feels, like, really, like, the whole thing with, um, uh, why am I drawing a blank in his name again? Um, John Candy. Like, mm-hmm. just doesn't quite land and, like, feels weirdly out of place or just, like, the moms with, like, this polka band. Um, like, some of the, like, stuff is not tying together just right. But it's also, mm-hmm. like, I would rather watch that again other than Home Alone 2, which is two hours, which I think is just too long, but also does just, like, I feel like has more stuff to like do throughout it. Although the beginning is so much just like, we're literally doing home alone again. Uh, but now people will be like, we did it again. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, the first like 15, 20 minutes of home alone two is them literally just doing like shot for shot stuff from home alone. So, Mm -hmm. um, that mom really should have learned to like, actually just listen to her child. (laughs) Um, the whole conflict in Home Alone 2 with, like, uh, Kevin being, like, I know that he said, like, did this big performance of saying sorry to the family, but then, like, he immediately said mean stuff to me again, like, he's not actually sorry, and the mom just, like, completely glazes over it and is like, you need to say sorry to him, too, so you need to go sleep up in the, you know, uh, attic room until you decide that you want to come down and say sorry. Uh, it's just like, this is, yeah, this is such an era of parenting. Where it's just like more important that you uh, obey and say the thing. <laughs> I would say that this is, um, I don't know, like this. This is how many parents were when I was a kid. Yeah, I assume it hasn't changed that much. Um, um, I know you try not to do this, but you're a conscientious parent. I don't yeah. believe this is a universal experience. Um, I do think there's like a more people who are trying to be conscientious. Yes, uh, percentage wise, but yeah, there's still probably lots of people that are just like you need to say sorry. But yeah, it's just really wild me watching it being someone who's like trying to be like a good, respectful parent that's like, you know, helping kids understand emotions and like being responsive to their emotions and their needs. Uh, mm-hmm. And then just watching this movie and be like, this mom is really bad. <laughs> yes. uh, even even before she twice loses her child. <laughs> yes. So. Um, also the whole thing where Kevin gets on the plane without the ticket, uh, and it's like, I swear I had it. My dad just went on the plane, uh, would never happen anymore. <laughs> no, no. Pre nine 11. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for my child, you know, kid gets to ride in the limo watching the Grinch. Uh, it just, it, I guess it hits better. When you're when you're someday, four. <laughs> someday your kid will ride in a limo and be like, this is not that. Yeah. That's this is not that cool. Yeah. It's just a long car. <laughs> it is just a and long it's car. probably it's probably the suspension probably fucking sucks because it's too long of a car. So you're just having kind of a bad time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they probably just made it by sawing a car in half and then putting yeah. extra shit in there. Yeah. Yeah. Been in a limo a couple times. None of them I would consider like memorable moments other than the first time I was a kid. Oh, my friend won. And a, like a, a like a trip to the premiere of the first Harry Potter movie. This is this is where it was. This is the time frame. Yeah, just one of those like local radio, local like Fox affiliate somethings or whatever. So we all got in a fucking limo and we went to the theater and we all got like 
swag bags that were nothing garbage and saw Harry Potter. Um, I hadn't even read the books, but everyone else was very excited. I just came along, but that was my first time running a limo. And I, even then I was like, this isn't that good. <laughs> just the one fully unimpressed child. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what year Harry Potter came out. I was like, we were like early teens, I think. Um, what would that have been? That would have been 2001. I would have been like 15, 16. So yes. Yeah. Deeply unimpressed. Um, yeah, I find, I find limos. The one time I, I like briefly rode in one was some dance. It wasn't a prom. Mm -hmm. Um, some like friend got it and like, I briefly rode it in it or something. Yeah. Um, and I was like, this is boring. Um, I do feel like when people get drunk in it, like the getting the drunk is the appeal. Um, and like, I'll be honest, I've gotten drunk in the back of like regular cars. Uh, you can do that in a regular car too. <laughs> doesn't have to be a long all, one. All of my friends in my youth and honestly through like my twenties didn't have cars. I was always the person driving. So this was not, this was not a function of my life. I was yeah. never, um, I've never been a huge drinker, but even when I would drink, I was always the fucking driver. So I couldn't like it crazy anywhere we were out. Cause, um, never never driven drunk that's just not a ne yeah. not not irresponsible in this way <laughs> um i don't think i've ever driven drunk yeah um like the most is like uh you know you go to like a nice meal and you have like a drink yeah. or two and like yes. there's like the food and stuff and you're like yeah you know you sit in the car for like a little bit because you're like, I feel like a t just a tiny bit tipsy. And then, yes, I've had know. I've had dinners where I'm like, OK, I need to get a water and we need to sit for another 20 minutes and I'll be good. Yeah. Um, But nothing like even that was like, I feel like the average person would probably just got in the car. I'm always a little cautious. I'm a cautious person by nature. Um, Yeah, I feel like just especially with with driving, I was always like that. I mean, I've yeah. been like drunk in cars, but like not driving, you know, mm -hmm. Um. Because I also remember I once moshed so hard that when I got to the car, I also had to sit there and like sober up for like 15 minutes. Okay. Because um, sometimes you do just get knocked around so much moshing in a, a hardcore punk pit. <laughs> no, no, not me. Never. Yeah. <laughs> you famously like one of the least favorite, you know, least experiences you'd ever want to have. It's a mosh pit. Yeah. It's up there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like that's the, the biggest thing I've been up to, um, yeah, fair enough. you know, watching Nerissa streams, watching the end of the, the dagger of Amon-Ra. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Real... Did you finish it? Huh? Did you finish it? Um, so I was watching some of it this morning when I was getting ready for work. Uh, it was a yes so or no like, question. There's so like... no, the question, the answer is no. <laughs> I, I finished it aside from like, there's like a tiny little bit where you were doing all the like wrong answers to see what it okay, was. Okay, so you've seen the, the app. Well, honestly, the bad answer ending is also crazy, but the real answer ending is also crazy. Yeah, it's fucking like, what the fuck is happening? Every single um, person who dies just like turns into gets, an exhibit. Yeah, just gets absorbed by the museum. It's so weird. Yeah, it's it's fucking weird. Also a happy ending for that Nazi. <laughs> yeah. Also weird. Um... Uh, don't worry the bad ending uh, goes very bad for him <laughs> <laughs> okay um though also because there's like all the questions that you have to do 
Mm-hmm. And still, the one that's like, what was like the the cult leader or whatever, or like, uh, yeah, know, the sign cult leader. It was just a mess. Like you fucking saw him. Yeah, we talked. I to first him. saw the one, thing, and I was one like, one of the two. It was one of the two Egyptian guys. Yeah, and I was and like, I knew which one it was. <laughs> I was especially like when I first saw the question while you were doing it. I was like, was it the other hooded guy where you didn't see his face? But I was like, who would that have been? And then you just did the other guy, and I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. He was the one who was like talking to you about things. So yeah, the, one yeah. With the awful lisp. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. Uh, at least uh, um, that, what Ziggy was it? Ziggy? Oh, that guy. Fuck every yeah. the voice in that game are so singularly unpleasant. I was just like everybody sounds awful. It's just so not good to listen to. Ziggy was definitely the worst though. I was yeah. so glad when he was dead. Yes. Um. Because a couple of them were like uh, Steve with the really deep voice was like kind of funny, you know. Well, Steve's really weird because it's just like the witness protection voice, right? Like yeah. it's just a fucking guy ratting on the mob on the local news uh, as a voice, but he's like meant to be this hunky guy. And I was like, what's happening here? <laughs> he's also like the writer of the game or whatever. Yeah. It, honestly, kind of weird to play the guy who like becomes the the love interest of the the main girl. But yeah, that was done. Glad to do that. And then we're taking this week off. Then we're playing a ridiculous uh, CD-ROM <laughs> multimedia nightmare that Dia dug up. Yeah. Um. And then we have we have another like we have a much longer game after that because that one's probably going to be like two episodes. It's pretty short. Those CD-ROM games they go quick. Yeah that that uh, MTV one was like oh I remember the Sega CD. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is MTV Club Dead. That's what we're playing next. Um. Which I it was in the Discord, but if you're only listening to this and not in the Discord, that was an exclusive because I don't think D isn't going to have announced it by then because we're not recording this weekend. Um, um, the one that's already passed for people listening. Some point you could do Fox Hunt. I don't know what that is. It's an FMV adventure game. Okay. Um, that's very ridiculous. It's like a PlayStation game. Uh, 1996. Uh, it's like a spy parody thing Um, this looks terrible yeah it's very stupid Um, Uh, exceedingly stupid it's really funny because I was like I was like because we were going to do another game um, and I was like Dia I don't want anything that's a talkie I want something that's like we can just have conversations and do dumb voices and have a good time and then she came to me with like 10 games and I'd say Nine of them were fucking FM, like FMV CD-ROM nightmares, <laughs> but I was really excited about them anyway. <laughs> um, not at all what I asked for, but I do, yeah. I do think that if me and Dia just take a weird long road into the ephemera of mid '90s CD-ROM multimedia projects, that that would be fun in its own way. Yeah. Um, I just always remember that El Chacatiro Taco is so good they'll save your life from. Fox Hunt, because it's an important clue. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, uh, what's, what's it called? Uh, Dark Place. The you, uh, Garth Marenghi's oh, yeah. Dark Place. I was like, I got that to watch. And then I was telling Destiny, uh, like on our commute, I was like, oh yeah, Neve wanted me to watch this show. It's six episodes. So I was like, whatever, I'll watch it. And Destiny was like, oh, I want to watch that with you. The, putting it in the watching with Destiny queue. So it's never getting watched. Sorry. <laughs> 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 it's only six episodes though 
I know, but, but imagine yeah. pinning someone down. I'm Especially we're, we're, somebody we're still, getting a master's degree or whatever. Yeah, I'm yeah. trying to get her to watch fucking Chucky with me because we're one episode away from finishing season two. Season three is already out. Got to get that done before season four. And if we're lucky, we'll get it done before season four premieres in October or whatever the fuck it tur- like comes out. Um, that's just the life we lead right now. She's like, add it to the list. I was like, are you kidding me? I'm trying to find things to watch when you're too busy to do anything. Yeah. This is how I've gotten through all the Sopranos. I'm like 10 episodes away from the end. Well, I'll look forward to no hearing one, no your one, thoughts no on it in like three it. years. Yeah. Um, Sopranos is really good. I would like to keep telling the audience Sopranos turns out as good as everybody said. I like it a lot. I think in this final season, I've determined that Carmelo is my favorite character. You don't. You, this is just for the audience. Sorry. Yeah. I'm just going to talk around you for a second. Um I think the way in which she's portrayed has evolved in really interesting ways because she's always the thing with Carmela. If you haven't seen The Sopranos, she's Tony's wife, and he's never t- like she knows what he does, but he never talks to her about business because he does. If if he gets arrested or whatever, he doesn't want the kids and wife to have anything to say, even if they could. They don't know anything. Just totally like not an accessory to any of this. Yeah. Um, and so she's always accepted that, but also that is like, he's going to step out in the middle of the night and she doesn't know if she's going to, if he's murdering a guy or um, how much she knows if he's a guy who murders guys also kind of up in the air or if he's sleeping around, which he does a lot of stuff like that. And the way in which she's like gone over six seasons from like being okay with it to getting really fed up with his like infidelity and getting really mad and like wanting to like, what if I could have a better life where I could have more agency? Like, what if I had a job? What if I wasn't just like a housewife, you know, the kids grow up and move out and she just like shifts around and then realizing like the thing that she is, ha- she is content to have the compromise of like, I know the thing that I want is like the, the life I lead is like fueled by a thing that I believe is evil, but it's really comfortable. And why would I rock the boat on that? Is is just like a really good compromise. The way she like has to enforce her own ignorance without like, but still have self respect is like just a fucking tightrope. I think that's really compelling to me. Good character. Um, shout out to the Housewives of Fiction. Often my favorite characters. Yeah. Am I invited back in or? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. You okay. could you could always talk. I was just you know explaining. I know, but I was being bratty about it. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Um, do you do movies over, like, the holidays? I don't know what your Christmas, like, traditions are. Um, we'll see. Uh, one of the things right before we recorded was Emily and I were trying to talk through plans. Um, because mm-hmm. right now it's either we're going to be, like, in Michigan on, like, the 27th and then, like, uh-huh. the th- or the 26th and the 30th. And, like, mm-hmm. come home in between. Or we're just going to be in Michigan the whole time. So, okay. um, we have to figure out all of that. Um, and it would be really nice to see family, but also I just get worn out when I'm away from home really fast. So, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see. But I feel like especially when I'm, like, not at home, then it's, like, the even bigger because it's just, like, you're, like, hanging out with family after the kids go to sleep. And then it's very easy to be like, well, I'm going to just put a movie on, you know, because otherwise nobody's going to decide what to do. Um, and I, we're just going to uh, like futz around. This is so antithetical to my, I partially, I, I don't have a big family, right? Like uh, mostly just me and like people I live with and that's it. Um, so when I was growing up, 
like Christmas Day, everyone opens the presents. My dad cooks dinner and then falls asleep on the couch. So or in his chair. So me and my mom would always go see a movie on Christmas Day. And that's the thing that me and Destiny basically kept doing is until COVID happened. Um, so, we, you know, you go out to the movies. Um, oh, yeah, and, we, we uh, used to do the going out to the movies thing, too. Yeah. Uh, until COVID. But. Yeah. So this year, I mean, we, we tend to watch like last year we watched um, Fanny and Alexander, uh, which was great. They hadn't seen it before. We watched the short version because we're. I was like, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to stay awake for the long version. Are you fucking kidding me? Um, and even the short version, I was like ready for a nap after that. It was good. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes you're just ready for a nap. It's Christmas Day. Yeah. Um, this year, I think we're watching Barbie, which we were going to watch on New Year's Day because we also do New Year's Day. Um, we're like, oh, let's watch a movie to start the new year. Good intention. Something we both haven't seen is like our one criteria. Uh, but I also am convic- pretty sure con- after everyone told- talked to me, I'm not going to love Barbie. So I was like, can we do Barbie Christmas Day and then pick something that we might actually that I might actually like for New Year's Day? Just like preemptively in case I really don't like Barbie. <laughs> it's a <Yeah>. possibility. <laughs> So we're going to do Barbie on Christmas Day. And I don't know what New Year's Day is. We haven't decided yet. Um, I just checked Twitter while you were talking. And it looks like yeah. uh, my wife and Autumn are currently watching Barbie. <laughs> oh, yeah. So great. Yeah. So that's my that's my Christmas squared away. We're going to get some Chinese food. We're going to watch Barbie. That'll be it. Um. Yeah, I think repertory screenings will probably go up that day. Um, I mean, it'll go up Sunday night, but it'll be the day I plug it. Like, hey, it's Christmas. Listen to my podcast and no one will retweet it. And I'll feel bad, even though it's fucking Christmas Day, because that's how it goes sometimes. I will retweet it. Yeah, nobody else. I also plug it on Tuesday. But, um, you know, it's not even a Christmas episode. Nights in Kaviria, not a Christmas movie. Fucking good. Don't get me wrong. That movie. Oh, my God. We're going to talk about it. But like, it's so fucking good. I'm not even a Fellini person, really. Really uh, surprised the shit out of me. It's very good. Yeah, I feel like some of the Fellini I've seen, um, it's not like bad. I also started on Eight and a Half, which I think is just a bad Fellini to yes, start on. me too. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> I feel like there's been a couple other Fellini movies that I've watched after that that I enjoyed, but I don't remember what they yeah. are right now. Um, but yeah, Eight and a Half is like a phenomenally bad. Uh, I'm sure if like you're familiar with his work, it would be better. Um, yeah, I've seen eight and a half a couple times and like, I feel like up and down on it, but like, I just, it's not, com- the thing it is talking about is not a movie that I find especially compelling. Uh, Knights of Kaviria is like a, it's like a fucking riff on modern times, which is my favorite movie of all time. So I was fucking here for it. Um, that sounds good. Yeah. Uh, La Strada is, is one that I watched. I was like, Oh, I like that a little more. Yeah. This is the movie he made yeah. literally the year after La Strada, um, La Strada and, uh, and uh knights of Caberio won best foreign oscar like two years in a row it's fucking wild can you imagine yeah. the like discourse that happened on twitter if like the same director won best oscar two years in a row they'd lose their goddamn minds <laughs> yeah that does remind me of the the video of steven spielberg uh with the oscars um where it's like i got beat out by fellini um <laughs> So he doesn't get he doesn't get the the best director nomination um, oh. for Jaws. He it, Jaws is nominated for best movie, but doesn't get the nomination. So the the um. more common line that we quote all the time is, uh, "Who do they think directed it? The shark?" Sam. <laughs> um, it's a classic. It's a classic YouTube video. 
I yeah, I do not know this video at all. Um, I can send it to you. Obviously, not to like listen on the the pod, but you can also link it in the episode description or something. Yeah, no, 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 it's fine. Um, oh, I'm recording. Okay, I was like, what's going on? Best director of that year. This is the 48th Academy Awards for the movies of 1975. Um, best directors nominations were Robert Altman for Nashville, which I haven't seen. Sidney Lumet for Dog Day Afternoon, which I have not seen. Uh, Fellini for Amar, Amar Cord, which I have not seen. Uh, Kubrick for Barry Lyndon, which is one of my favorite movies. Should have won. And then winning was Milos Forman for One Flew Over Cuckoo's Nest, which I've seen and don't like very much. So Yeah, I've seen a number of Milos Forman movies, and I think that's my least favorite one. Um, have I seen any of his? Oh, yes. <laughs> I was like, have I seen any other Milos Forman movies? And I click in and I'm like, oh, right. Amadeus. Fucking kidding me here? <laughs> yeah. Amadeus rules. Um, yeah. The Love's Little Blonde, Fireman's Ball. I've seen those. They're all right. I The only other movies of his I've seen are The People vs. Larry Flint and Man on the Moon. Um, I think I watched all of his, like pre-english stuff oh, okay. um because a, a weird thing <laughs> when i was doing my like 60s movies it, it came out a little bit um i i've also just watched a bunch of like old you know eastern european like especially during soviet union movies yeah um where i have like intense opinions about some of them including ones that are just like impossible to see uh, fair um, enough. Pasta Zerka is like a very good movie that um, I have no idea how anyone would be able to. Maybe maybe it's like on uh, some sort of torrent thing right now, but I don't I don't know. I don't know if it'd be like seated very much. I specifically yeah. was able to see it because like a uh, film professor had a copy of it. Okay. Um, but. One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest won so many movies. Or Oscars. What a boring movie. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Film is second to win all five major Academy Awards, which are picture, actor, actress, director, screenplay. Following It Happened One Night in 1934, which I think is a perfectly fine movie. And not repeated until Silence of the Lambs, which is a very funny uh, capper to this trilogy <laughs> of films. <laughs> yeah. I like Silence of the Lambs. Don't get me wrong. But, well... <laughs> Um, I did send the Steven Spielberg watches Oscar nominations in 1976 video to you. I saw, um, but you told okay. me not to watch on the podcast. Well, yeah. So I'm not going I, to. I just wanted to, you know, make sure that you saw that I sent that. Yeah, um, I, I did digitize that footage and, and put it on YouTube. So. Oh, wait, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Nice. Um, it's very funny, though. I think about it all the time. <laughs> Uh, all right. I told you I was going to talk to you about uh, cruising. We can't not do it a little bit. Yeah. I, I mean, the thing is, like, I don't have a huge argument. I just think that um, So my thing with cruising is I think that the movie is. The way it cares, the way it cares about gayness is like inherently like informed by the era in which it came out. And I don't think it's particularly like profound or good or interesting about that stuff. I'm not arguing that. Um, I think that by being kind of crappy in this way it really underscores how much all police movies are about the idea of a man who thinks that he can be removed from a thing he is voyeuristic towards but inevitably gets pulled into uh to his own like self-destruction 
And I think it, I think it underscores that in a way that movies around it in its era, there were like big, like, you know, movies of similar import in the American psyche just weren't necessarily doing it. Um, it's like part of, it's like half of what, um, what Fatal Attraction's about, you know, <laughs> it's just like, can you as a cop be removed from the, the thing you're like lusting after because to pursue in a criminal investigation is to lust after there's no way to detangle them. That's inherent to all police fiction. And I, just, I think that, um, I don't think Cruising the movie does, does enough to support that. I, I, I disagree. Yeah. I mean, some of this too is like before I rewatched it, I would have disagreed with that statement, but then I rewatched it and I was like, this movie's worse than my memory of the movie. No, I watched it like two years ago, last year. I don't know. I really ended up liking it. I think it's pretty good. But um, yeah, I need to watch more Friedkin because I've only seen that and um, The Exorcist. Um, yeah, nothing else. And I would like to fix that. Um, have, I seen, have I seen French? Yeah, I haven't seen French Connection. It's weird. I know Sorcerer is the one everyone talks about. But. Yeah, that's the one that I, I've been meaning to see. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just, I felt like it was lacking in terms of all that yeah. stuff. I, uh, I dig it. But... Like the themes were like, it felt like the themes were in the script, but like the directing and the, the acting was not pulling it out is, mm-hmm. is like my feeling when I was watching it. Okay. Yeah. I don't agree, but it's fine. I mean, you gave it three and a half stars, you know, and yeah that's it's not like you were slamming it with a two then i'd be like oh what are you talking about yeah Uh, um i i was disappointed that i felt like it was firmly mid um because my memory of it was that it was not that and i went into it being like oh yeah this is gonna be good Uh, i remember this i i enjoyed this movie um yeah and then i just was like ah it didn't hold up to what i remember of it um yeah i don't know i think of like 80s cop movies it is uh one of my favorite ones i think it's like a bad era for like this sort of pop boiler because everyone starts loving the cops too much yeah and i think i think uh cruising if anything is is at least aware that the cop is a morally ambiguous slash potentially evil character oh yeah um it does like shunt off some of that as like the most evil cops are the ones that are sleeping with the the gay people but yes yeah uh but it also is definitely fraught yeah it it is still uh the police suck throughout it so yeah yeah um yeah i was i was i was still surprised at like watching it being like oh I'm I'm a little disappointed in this. Uh, I'm a little let down. So, but shaking my head, shaking my head. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Unless you want to ask me about some of my other movies, I don't know if I have that much else. It just it needed to get more. It needed to be more erotic thriller about it. To me, here's the thing: is like I think it'd be a worse movie if it was more erotic thriller. Because I don't think Friedkin's a guy who can cook an erotic thriller. And I think, I think genuinely, I don't know. I'm not like the most well-versed in the genre, but I feel like erotic thrillers on some level inherently end up eschewing saying anything else by the nature of what they are. Um, or if they do, they have to come at it ass backwards, like uh, 
like Fatal Attraction does, which is like the best of the, the genre as far as I've seen. Um, it's really unfair to hold that one as like, oh, they should all be like Fatal Attraction. They should. Um, I went to Benedetta this week and uh, Verhoeven should make movies like fucking Fatal Attraction and not movies like Benedetta. Benedetta was fucking terrible. Uh, remember when he made Basic Instinct? Oh, is that? I'm, th- I'm thinking of Basic Instinct every time I say yeah. Fatal Attraction. My sorry. My, my apologies. It is late. It's been a week. <laughs> I was like, Fatal Attraction is also up there, but like now you're saying no, no, Fatal Attraction Fatal Attra- is better I'm, than I'm Basic Instinct. Basic in- <laughs> I'm saying Basic Instinct. Yeah. I meant Basic Instinct every time I said this. Um, um, I think Cruising doesn't need to go all the way to the level of Basic Instinct, but I, I, need, yeah. I need something that's selling a little bit more the, the actual line of like the things I'm doing are affecting me. Um, cause I feel like the yeah. movie doesn't properly like, and the acting and stuff doesn't properly sell that. So, mm-hmm. um, you, I'm not saying you should watch Benedetta, um, because I don't think it's good, but if you did, we could have a conversation about it. Yeah. It's maybe you'd I, like it I've been me. wanting to watch that one. Um, but cause I, I truly did not enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but it's not like I, I didn't enjoy it in such a way where I'm like, I don't even think it's worth wasting your time to go out of your way to like have the conversation where like, you know, we talk about it. Cause it's just a nothing movie. I think it's like, it's just, I, I don't know. I think it like leans way too hard into like, isn't the thing we're doing kind of like sleazy and uh, lurid and, uh, and no, not really. It's 2021. Yeah. Like, no, nobody cares. Like, knock it off. The As much as I love erotic thrillers, the thing is, like, culture is not at the place to properly do an erotic thriller anymore. I, I just don't think. Or mm. you can do it, but you have to, like, go way further into the, like, um, you know, what's the name of the director of Tetsuo? Like, the kind oh, of shit that he yeah, does yeah. that's, like, really actually, um, like, some uh, of his erotic photo. thriller stuff, which is pre like 2000s still feel scandalous in the way that like basic instinct doesn't you know yeah yeah yeah. um yeah i mean the other the other way to take it is to go full um like age of innocence and make the whole thing about people who live in an incredibly buttoned down place so the the eroticism comes out of knowing that they're in situations that would never register as like a thing in modernity yeah um but do because of the framework of the characters but like this is a movie where like people be fucking on the camera on screen, and you just like y- you act like this is like scandalous, and I'm not I'm not scandalized. This is a Twitter feed now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh. You should watch a snake you know of June. Ma- what was that? You should watch a snake of June. Okay. That's the Do you know Tsukamoto he's making Shinya. a Hollywood movie. What was that? For Hoven's going like back in Hollywood making a movie about like a congressional staffer who's sleeping with a congressman. I was like, oh, shut the fuck up. I hate you so much. Yeah. You're too old for this. You don't have it. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't, I doubt it. I don't, people like L. Did you see L? I haven't seen it. No. Cause that's the movie he made right before Benedetta. And I know people like that one a little more. Um, yeah, I think uh, Hollow Man is the last Verhoeven I've seen. That's also the last one. <laughs> um, I I know that movie has like a r- bad reputation. When I was first getting into movies online, um, back in the like turn of the millennium, Hollow Man was like a punchline movie, like one of those that everyone just kind of joked about. I don't know why. Like I don't, I haven't seen it since it was like on cable a bunch. But I truly don't understand why that movie was like for a brief moment on nascent film internet, like a a punchline movie. If you know, please explain to me. Yeah. 
I remember enjoying it. I mean, like in a in a certain way where like you kind of understand the this is like the enter the year of like the sixth sense and stuff that just like yeah cinema is going in a different direction uh yes. but also i like hollow man more than the sixth sense <laughs> well, yeah hollow man is riffing on the sort of like pop science sci-fi movies like sphere and jurassic park and the abyss and all those ones but it's an invisible man riff it's about how kevin bacon turns invisible and starts raping people because it makes him crazy um yeah. But like, I think that come like that stuff's in the Hollow Man, like or the Invisible Man, like mythos. It's yeah. not like Verhoeven's like out of like just making shit up. Like the whole point of the Invisible Man is being invisible makes him a total asshole. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't understand. Uh, I haven't seen the movie in a long time either. So maybe the movie's just bad. But um, if you know, if you if you're a Hollow Man expert and listening to this podcast, please write in. Let me know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I'm reading a thing here that said, uh, while some critics criticized the plot and acting, uh, some claiming it contained hallmarks of slasher films and misogynist undertones. I'm like, yeah, it is like doing a slasher thing. Yeah. It's, it's about this kind of stuff. <laughs> yes. Fairhoven doing a movie that's like about misogynist un- undertones. <laughs> weird. Fucking weird. <laughs> Have you seen the man's work? <laughs> um anyway robert ebert gave it two out of four stars yeah roger ebert i feel like i said robert i think you did say robert but look i call i call it fatal attraction for like 15 minutes so yeah you're allowed to say robert ebert i'm uh blaming my throat partially for that robert egert you just got to invert the b and the g uh weirdly i there's just some like consonants that just feel harder to say sometimes Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Ebert's review opens with Hollow Man deserves a niche in the underachievement hall of fame right next to Jack Frost. <laughs> what? Which is the one about Michael Keaton dies and becomes a snowman to make his son happy on Christmas. Yeah. That movie. <laughs> Um, which I think comparing those two things is maybe the most unhinged thing I've ever heard. Yeah, this is bizarre. That's like two years later. What, why is he still mad about Jack Frost? <laughs> um, I love Ebert. It's just fucking weird sometimes. <laughs> um, oh, Flatliners. Uh, oh, you're reading the review as well. Yeah. I've not seen Flatliners. Um, Roger Ebert gave that one three stars. Here's my question. What did Roger Ebert give Memoirs of Invisible Man? Uh, two and a half stars. You know what? Fair enough. I guess. At least you're consistent. Yeah. I have an outsized affection for Memoirs of Invisible Man. It's not a very good movie, but, um... I think it goes more than um, I think it takes its premise to such an extreme degree of like, like what it is to like live like this, that it almost wraps back around to being interesting. Not that much, but I forgot that Chevy Chase was. Yeah. 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 Him and Daryl Hannah. That's a John Carpenter movie. Yeah. 
Um, it's very slick and big Hollywood. I feel like that's just like, oh, I'm going to be a real director now and immediately stop doing that because why would you do that to yourself? Um, Chevy Chase, just a man that like I know has been in lots of other stuff, but is like impossible for me to think of as being in any other movie than like a National Lampoon's kind of movie. Yes. Yeah, that's true for me as well. Um, despite the fact that that's like only a portion of what his career has been. Yeah. Um, every time he's in something that's not just obviously like a vacation movie or Caddyshack or whatever, I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, he's running around being invisible. The government's yeah. after him because they want the invisible juice. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's what the movie's about. Yeah, I know what you mean, but just the invisible juice is a. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like juice that the only thing notable about it is that you can't see it. <laughs> Goodness. Um, I'll try and edit out that cough, but. Oh, they developed versus Ivan Reitman. Yeah, of course, that's why Memoirs of Invisible Man is like that. Um, he couldn't get along with Chevy Chase, so they got rid of him and replaced him with John Carpenter, who would, I assume, showed up to work and was like, oh, you want me to shoot this? Yeah, sure, whatever. And then went fuck, fucking back home, smoked some weed. Um, <laughs> Are you a Carpenter sicko? I don't remember. I mean, in my mind, I'm like, you, you don't like John Carpenter, is like I, the thing I believe. It's not that I don't like John Carpenter. I'm just not a John Carpenter sicko. I like enjoy John Carpenter movies, but um, I feel like Autumn is more the John Carpenter sicko of the two of us, you know? All right. I am a John Carpenter sicko, but like for the weird, like not the ones that everyone else is John Carpenter sicko for. Because like, I I think the thing is like fine. It has great special effects. I think the movie itself is like, eh, it's all right. Take it or leave it. Uh, I will, which I know like just makes <laughs> makes people frenzied when I say that. <laughs> I will I will never see anything related to Christine without just thinking about how excited Autumn is about them lighting that car on fire and then having a man <laughs> drive it. Ah, <laughs> um, uh, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, my my carpenters for the record, uh, not that. Since you don't care. Uh, Prince of Darkness, classic. In the Mouth of Madness, classic. Escape from L.A. Not New York, L.A. These are, these are the ones. Like Halloween, good too. Like, obviously. I'm not yeah. big trouble in Little China. Great movie. But those three, those are the three. Um, I have an outsized, like, fascination with John Carpenter's Vampires, which is like a nightmare movie um, that isn't even, like, great. But it's like, I think it's like... Man, you look at that and you're like, you just see culture happen. Like he was on the fucking pulse of it. Cause that's a, that's a movie about James Woods as a vampire hunter who the way they hunt, they're like on the border and the way they hunt vampires, all the vampires are like, like Mexicans who they're like breaking into fucking like mission churches in during the daylight to like drag the Mexican vampires out in the sun. It's like just fucking loaded. Like no one's ready for a movie like this. Uh, and it's fucking, it's just like a nightmare. Um, and I just think like when you look at movies, like movies that like tap into like some cultural thing that even like in 98 exists, but is like kind of nascent about like real, like cultural aggression towards like illegal immigrants. Uh, I'm like, man, you really fucking stepped in on this one. I don't even know what's going on here. Yeah. 
it's based on like a 1990 novel. I haven't, I haven't read the novel. Um, um, I you just notice the, the Wikipedia page for Chevy Chase says at the top for the town in Maryland, see Chevy Chase, Maryland for other uses, see Chevy Chase, uh, disambiguation. Oh my God. Uh, I guess there's a bunch of, uh, they're mostly Maryland. There's a bunch of Maryland Why? and Washington DC places called Chevy Chase. Why? I don't know. Um, there's the ballad of, of Chevy Chase. Um, a 16th century ballad from the borderland between England and Scotland, the source of the term. Uh, I guess that's probably why. Yeah. Although, uh, derived from the ballad, but usually spelled Chevy Chase with uh, C-H-A-C-E. Okay. Uh, a variation of the children's game Dare Base. I don't know what that is. Um, I think it'd be very funny to have... In, under the other uses in this disambiguation, a car chase involving Chevy cars or Chevy trucks. <laughs> um, but Wikipedia, no joking around like that. No. Uh, is that it? That probably is it. I think so. I'm trying to read whatever the fuck Darebase is, but there's way too much ex- explanation of rules here for me to do while recording a podcast. So. Uh, fair enough. Uh, seems like it's similar to Capture the Flag, then. Okay. Anyway. Oh, this is a really long... You're right. Damn. <laughs> um, Players, 10 plus to 100 plus. Setup time, three minutes. What are you talking about? <laughs> 100 plus players and you're setting it up in three minutes. No way. <laughs> I guess if it's just people running around a field, one of those old-timey games. The skills, running, observation. Darebase is popular in many areas of the United States as a recess game that we did not play. We played Foursquare and Tetherball. That's what we did in, at recess. Um, I was trying to explain the game King of the Hill to Emily recently. Um, uh-huh. Because I feel like my kid on their playground, they play like a variation of it. Um. And Emily just, like, never, like, heard of this or, like, knew what it was. And then I was explaining, like, the rules and how you play it. And she was like, oh, there was, like, no hill on our playground. That's why we never played King of the Hill. And I'm like, yeah, it yeah, does kind of require didn't really a hill. King of the hill either. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is weird uh, the number of, of playground games that are basically just excuses to hit each other. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, where can people find you? You can find me at Fox Omnia on Twitter and also like co-host Blue Sky Letterboxd if you want to see, you know, as I log more and more mid-children's Christmas movies. Um, I mostly just post on on Twitter, though. Uh, go listen to my other podcasts. Uh, Ghost Divers, we're doing Nana. Ornate Stairwells for lots of movie talk. And Pondering Bhutan, um, where... We're reading through Cromartie High School and just joking around. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at em underscore being. If you want to see what I'm watching on a letterbox, uh, I'm there. Uh, I, I don't review anything, but I do post when I watch something. I need to go in and like mark a bunch of movies as watched. So if you, suddenly my activity has a bunch of ratings, but like no dates on them or whatever, you're like, oh, I don't think I was really watching that. It's probably because I went through and had a bunch that I had marked seen, but not rated. And I really want to rate all those. I've run into this multiple times recently. Um, 
You can find my podcast at normalmapping.com. Uh, this week, God willing, we haven't Jackson 6, so I think we're going to record, but it's up in the air. There will be an episode on Final Fantasy 15 for Abnormal Mapping, probably dropping on Friday. Um, I think that's going to happen one way or another anyway. But um, I'm really looking forward to recording that, Final Fantasy 15, my third favorite Final Fantasy. I love it to bits. Um, and I can't wait to talk about it with Jackson and Molly because they both love it too for basically the exact same reasons I do. So it's just going to be a big old agree-a-thon on why that game is good. Um, can't wait. <laughs> Uh, outside of that, uh, Double O Gundam will be finishing season one. Uh, that came out yesterday as you're listening to this. Uh, I hope that's good. Jackson's seen it, but I don't know what they thought of it. Um, I'm looking forward to getting into season two and wrapping that up. I need to start thinking about art for the next season, which I truly don't want to do, but yeah. this is where we're at. This is my job. Um, and I think that's it. Oh, uh, repertory screenings was out on Christmas, probably. So listen to that about uh, Knights of Cabiria and the 800 movies I've seen. I'm going to try my best to catch up with Double O over the, the holiday. Hell yeah. And uh, we'll be back in two weeks where I'll probably uh, have a bunch of rebuttals for some shit you said on stairwells. Because that tends to be what I do here. Um, Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much you're going to disagree about our opinions about Carol, but yeah, no, 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 probably yeah. not. Also, that's coming out like next week and we're not recording next week. So by the time yeah. we get around to it, I will have forgotten everything you've ever said about Carol. Um, at some point, you'll probably just talk to me about Barry Lyndon, but we're not there yet. Yeah, I can't believe you're sniping doing Barry Lyndon. I've been wanting to do it for Reptor Screenings for literally years and I just haven't pulled the trigger. And now I've got to feel like I'm going to wait like at least another year. Yeah. Because I fucking podcast with two people who haven't seen Barry Lyndon. I'm like, what's wrong with you? One of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah. Big Barry Lyndon fan. Sorry, I know you're like wanting to leave because you're sick. And I'm like, oh, let's let's rank all our Kubrick movies. Because that's how I <laughs> how my brain works. I had a right, coffee. Me... me and Destiny went to Target after dinner. And um, uh, after work, and I, we, we did one last minute shopping. And Destiny had a two for buy one, get one free at Starbucks. She was like, do you want coffee? And I'm not really a coffee drinker. And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Take a cold brew. Fucking feeling it right now. I'm ready to go for another hour. I'm like, please free me from this hell. Um, What's your favorite Kubrick movie? Uh, probably Barry Lyndon, but 2001 A Space Odyssey is also really good. But in like a, such a different way, that's why it's hard. Um, that's fair. 2001 A Space Odyssey is going to an orchestra to watch like the performance of like, you know, some movement, but as a movie to me. Yeah. No, um, I know there's plot in that movie. I don't think any of the plot fucking matters because it's all about just like the weird audiovisual uh orchestral like thing that you're moving through to me here's the thing is like i i i've watched 2001 um seen it many times i love it a lot um but i i in the last like two two years i read all of the odyssey books like rc clark books and i really like those but it's an entirely different thing and that's where i put all of my feelings about the plot of 2001 space odyssey because the books are just more about that and so the movie itself just gets to exist as a experience of sights and sounds yeah i honestly think my second favorite kubrick is eyes wide shut yeah uh, it's very linden strong yeah barry linden uh 2001 and eyes wide shut those are like the yeah i three. think i would flip eyes wide shut in 2001 but i i otherwise agree with you so yeah good job we're correct on everything um eyes wide shut is really good too yeah, it really is. Uh, all right, I'll let you go. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope you had a good year. I hope we have a good year in uh, 
2024. It, I had to think about what number it was. Yeah. Um, we'll finish this book and maybe we'll move on to, I kind of want to do some with Thuriana. We'll see. Um, if you object, we can do something else, but I mean, we can do it. Time. I mean, at some point I do want to do, uh, arrow out saga, but yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so thanks everybody. Until two weeks from now, we are out of the podcast. And then we were out of the podcast.
Thank you.